to Fresh Image. Fresh Image is a nonprofit Catholic ministry committed to providing individuals and communities with resources to facilitate the full flourishing of the image of God in each and every single human person. Not only will you find hundreds of articles, convenient audios and presentations on our beautiful faith, but also catechetical resources to be used in the classroom, at the parish, and at the kitchen table. Today, we are happy to present Fresh Image Gospel Reflections from our founder, Tony Crescio. Tony reminds us that it is when we look into the mirror of Scripture that we discover the unique image of God we have each been created to be. My dear friends in Christ, last weekend, in celebrating Easter Sunday, we saw how the bodily resurrection of the incarnate Son of God, Jesus Christ, is the core of the Christian faith. As such, the resurrection simultaneously makes clear the goal towards which the whole Christian life strives, perfect unity with God in eternity, and calls us to proclaim that such is possible because of the sacrifice of Christ on the cross that redeemed the human family and indeed all of creation from sin and its damaging effects. As we discussed last weekend, proclaiming the gospel means living it with the whole of our lives by leaving the life of the world behind and striving to live the life of heaven here and now, as St. Paul taught us. We also saw that when we strive to live in this manner, God appeals to the world through us, calling the world into saving communion through, with, and in the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Today, as we celebrate the second Sunday of the Easter season, known as Divine Mercy Sunday, we are reminded that opening the possibility of perfect communion with God had a price, a price most beautifully and perfectly signified by the wounds of our Savior. In John's Gospel for today, the evangelist tells us of an appearance of the risen Christ to his apostles. It is important for us to recall here that up to this point in John's Gospel, only Mary Magdalene had seen the risen Lord, and she has related to the apostles this message from Jesus. Go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Notice that the language Jesus uses here is familial. He says, Go to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father. These are quite astonishing words when we recall that the last time that many of the apostles saw Jesus was when they fled for their lives in the Garden of Gethsemane, abandoning our Lord in his hour of greatest need. Recalling this makes sense of where John tells us the apostles are at the beginning of today's gospel. John tells us that the apostles are gathered in a house with the doors locked for fear of the Jews. Evidently, the apostles were not sure that the threat of violence for being followers of Jesus was past. However, the apostles were possibly fearful of someone else, the one whom they had abandoned. In Luke's Gospel, we are told that when Jesus first appears to the apostles, they are startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. Now pause and think, if you were one of the apostles who abandoned Jesus just when he needed you most, what do you suppose you would be thinking this ghost would want with you? Nothing good, possibly to haunt you, torture you, or worse. But this is because we and the apostles still think with the fallen human mind and not with the mind of Christ. 
That Jesus knows his apostles are still afraid, and likely for several reasons, is made clear by the manner in which he approaches them. His first words are meant to calm their fears. Peace be with you. Peace. I am not angry. I wish you no harm, Jesus says to the apostles. And then, in a gesture of radical love, Jesus shows them his hands and his side. These wounds are not only meant to prove the reality of Jesus' bodily resurrection to his apostles, they are a sign of the words he had just spoken. Peace be with you. So, not only does Jesus calm the apostles' fears by speaking peace to them, but he shows them how peace between himself and them has been made possible. And not a peace based on the mutual agreement of sentiment, susceptible to changing in the future, but peace in an ultimate sense, the peace of communion with God, through, with, and in Him. The peace Jesus extends to His apostles is the peace St. Paul writes of in the second chapter of his letter to the Ephesians. There he writes, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. In his flesh he has made both groups, that is, Jews and Gentiles, into one, and has broken down the dividing wall, that is, the hostility between us, that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace, and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross. Paul says it, and Jesus shows it. Peace with God and with one another is achievable only by way of the cross of Christ. This is recognized by another, perhaps unlikely figure in our gospel reading for today. More on that in a moment. For many, the figure who will stand out in our readings for today is the apostle not present at this initial appearance of Christ to his apostles, Thomas, and not for good reasons. Today's episode, of course, is where Thomas gets the nickname Doubting Thomas from. In fact, perhaps the most famous depiction of this scene in art history was painted by Caravaggio and entitled The Incredulity of St. Thomas. However, following the late Pope Benedict XVI, I want to suggest that to simply see in Thomas' initial reaction, simple doubt, is to misunderstand him. The nickname comes from Thomas' response to the apostles who tell him, We have seen the Lord. But, Thomas says in response, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. In his actions today, Thomas gives us a master class in spiritual physics. To begin, what we see in his initial response is not so much sheer doubt as the doubt that comes with being a person of faith. If faith is fundamentally trusting God and an aspect of our relationship with God, there is bound to be doubt now and again in that relationship on the part of us fallen sinners. Such is part of any authentic relationship, and to suggest otherwise is a simple failure to engage seriously in relationship. We see this in all the saints who enter most deeply into relationship with God, passing through what is often referred to as the dark night of the soul. Thus, St. Teresa of Calcutta wondered for years whether or not God loved her, so distant did he feel from her? Thomas is experiencing something similar here. He undoubtedly loves Jesus. It was not long ago that when the other disciples tried to stop Jesus from returning to Judea to raise Lazarus from the dead because they had just tried to kill Jesus there, 
Thomas was unfazed and said to his compatriots, Let us go also, that we may die with him. Now, of course, Thomas wasn't quite ready at that time to give his life for Jesus as he fled for his life with the others when Jesus was arrested. That said, while Thomas lacked the strength of the will to do it, he already knew in his heart what it meant to be a follower of Jesus, to give one's entire life out of love for him. This is confirmed by Thomas's response today. Thomas doesn't just want to see Jesus. It's not good enough for him simply to confirm that Jesus has risen from the dead. Thomas wants to touch Jesus. What greater indication of love and intimacy could there be? We don't touch strangers, much less touch them where they are most injured and vulnerable. We touch those we are in relationship with. So Thomas's declaration demonstrates an intimacy and a love for Christ, but it shows us still more. Thomas wants to touch the wounds of Christ because he knows that those wounds indicate Jesus' love for him and for the whole world. Thomas also knows that it is precisely those wounds that heal the world. So Thomas's thinking here is similar to that of the woman suffering from chronic hemorrhaging who believes, If I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Thomas thinks, If I touch his wounds, I know I will be healed, that I will be made whole again. Because if I touch his wounds, I can be certain both of Jesus' love for me and his forgiveness of my failings, especially in having abandoned him. Thomas's spiritual instincts hit the proverbial nail on the head here, and we should strive to imitate him. Thomas wants to touch the open side of Jesus. Now remember, we are hearing John's gospel today. John's gospel is the only gospel that reports this regarding the wound in Jesus' side. One of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once blood and water came out. For the fathers of the church, the significance here is twofold. First, the blood and water streaming forth from Jesus' side signify the two fundamental sacraments of the life of the church, baptism by the water and the Eucharist by the blood. These are the sacraments which make the church. Therefore, the fathers of the church also saw in this imagery an echo of the creation of Eve, the bride of Adam. Just as Eve was once drawn from the side of the sleeping Adam by God, so now God draws the bride of Christ, the church, from his side as he sleeps on the cross. Thus, in desiring to touch Jesus' open side, Thomas is expressing a desire for healing, but a healing that can come only through unity with the wounded Christ. By the help of God's grace, we ought to strive to cultivate the desire and conviction that St. Thomas exemplifies for us today. Do we have a deep hunger to touch the wounded Christ? Ask differently, do we have a deep hunger to receive our Lord in the Eucharist? If the answer is yes, this is precisely what it means for us in our own time and place to touch the wounded Christ. Jesus refers to this today when he says, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Yes, we have not seen our Lord's physical body, but because we believe, we do indeed experience the intimacy Thomas experienced each and every time we receive the Eucharist in faith. Echoing our Lord's words in reference to the Eucharist, St. Augustine teaches us, Christ is better touched in faith than in the flesh. Touching Christ in faith, that really is touching him. Touching Christ isn't a casual thing. 
nor is it intended to be a momentary experience. What does Thomas say? He doesn't just say, I want to touch Jesus' wounds. He says, I want to put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side. Thomas doesn't just want to touch Jesus' woundedness. He wants to enter into Jesus' woundedness. We are afforded the great opportunity of entering Christ's woundedness as Thomas did at each and every single Mass. In order to see this, we must see how our senses fail us in our reception of the Eucharist. For while it appears that we consume Christ in our reception of the Eucharist, it is really Christ who consumes us when we receive the Eucharist. Said differently, when we receive the Eucharist, Christ draws us into his open side and unites us to himself, giving us a share in his own life. This is precisely why the church teaches us that it is the Eucharist which makes the church. However, being drawn into the woundedness of Christ comes with great responsibility, a mission. After the apostles see the risen Jesus, what does he say to them? Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Jesus speaks the exact same words to us at the end of every Mass through his priest or deacon. Go now, the Mass has ended, or go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Consequently, the mission is the same as that given by Jesus to the apostles. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. To be sure, we can see the scriptural foundation for the sacrament of reconciliation here. That said, as members of the body of Christ, we also see the description of our task in the world. All the members of Christ's body function as his presence in the world, a presence that is meant to extend Christ's healing forgiveness to the world by living as he lived, by living a life of radical love, love so radical it is willing to be wounded for the love of one's neighbor, precisely so that they might be drawn into closer relationship with God through the saving love of Christ that lives in and through us. This is the love embodied by the lives of the saints and martyrs, and only this love has the power to convert the world. My friends, Thomas often gets the bad rap of being a doubter for what he says today. However, we have seen that he has much more to teach us when we examine the episode more closely. But Thomas does not only serve as an exemplar of desiring to enter into the woundedness of Christ so as to be healed of our sinfulness. Thomas also serves as an exemplar of what it means to live with the willingness to be wounded for love of God and neighbor. St. Thomas is said to have been the first to proclaim the gospel to Syria and Persia, and from there to have gone on to preach the good news to India. It is there that Thomas demonstrated that while the desire to give his life for Christ was as yet imperfect on the eve of Christ's passion, over time his love became perfected to the point where he became not only willing but able to be a martyr for his faith in Jesus Christ. Tradition has it that as Thomas prayed in a cave in India, some from a competing religion came into his cave and attacked him, stabbing him with what else but a spear. The one who once put his hand into the pierced side of Christ now had his own side pierced. And knowing his life on this side of eternity to be at an end, Thomas desired to still further perfect his unity with Christ. His side bursting forth with Christ's love for the world, 
The wounded Thomas crawled to a nearby chapel, wrapped his arms around a stone cross, and prayed, Lord, I thank thee for all thy mercies. Into thy hands I commend my spirit. St. Thomas never let go of the mercy of God offered in Jesus Christ, and it compelled him to preach the gospel with his whole life so that at least some might come to saving communion with him. This weekend, we are invited to experience God's mercy anew. As Thomas, we are invited into the woundedness of Christ precisely so that we might live as he lived, with the willingness to give our lives completely out of love for him and for the world so that the world too might come to believe in the inexhaustible divine mercy of God. Thank you for listening to this week's Gospel Reflection. For more resources, please visit us at freshimage.org. And remember, when you live a fresh life, you will be a breath of God's fresh, life-giving air to the world.